Welcome to Candela. I'm Christopher Hooten. In this episode, my co-host Alan Schaller and I talk with Robert Yeoman, ASC, who served as cinematographer on every single one of Wes Anderson's live-action movies. That's Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, The Royal Tenenbaums, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, Darjeeling Limited, Moonrise Kingdom, and most recently, The Grand Budapest Hotel, for which he was nominated for an Academy Award. He's currently finishing up Anderson's new film, The French Dispatch. Bob discusses his partnership with the auteur and how it contrasts with his work with director Paul Feig on films like Bridesmaids and Spy. We captured this interview a little on the fly with Bob at home in LA and Alan and I in London, so sorry that the sound quality is not amazing, but we hope you enjoy the episode nonetheless. Kindly let us know what you think of the show and keep up to date on new episodes on our Instagram, which is at Candela Podcast. That's at C-A-N-D-E-L-A Podcast. Thank you. Bob Yeoman, thanks for joining us today. How you doing? Great, great. Thank you. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, so I guess, Bob, like when when anyone has a conversation about cinematography, I mean, it's not long until your work with Wes comes up, really. People are going to name check Kubrick, a couple of others, and then they're going to mention the cinematography of, of Wes Anderson and yourself. So it's quite a, a sizable contribution you've made to the, uh, to the area. Well, thank you very much. That's very sweet. <laughs> so I guess... Um, I mean, let's start from the beginning. Like, how did you become interested in? Was it always cinematography, or did you first become interested in film when you were a kid, or were you into still photography at all? Or if you could just talk us through it. Um, well, as a kid, I you know this was way before the internet or a lot of cable TV and things, and so every Friday night, I grew up in the Midwest in the United States, and every Friday night we would all go to the local movie theater to see our friends. It was kind of a place where everybody would meet and hang out. And in the process, I saw a lot of great movies, you know, Hitchcock movies, uh, In the Heat of the Night, uh, just, you know, a lot of really wonderful movies. And so I was a movie buff as a kid. Uh, I loved the Clint Eastwood uh, spaghetti westerns. And so, but I never really considered it as a possible career um you know it just was something hollywood was just this distant place that you know had no real relevance to me really um and so i went to college and and i was kind of floundering in college and not really sure what i wanted to do and i joined um the college uh, film society which showed foreign films mainly from uh europe Asia as well. And and that's where I really caught the bug. And then I I went to see a movie, Clockwork Orange by Stanley Kubrick. And I was just so taken by that film. Uh, When I left the theater, I said, uh, this is what I really want to do. So I knew that I was going to college in North Carolina at the time. And back then in the United States, you had to live in uh, Los Angeles or New York to really uh, work in the film industry. And um, so I didn't know anybody or anything. So I decided to apply to film school. I applied to the University of Southern California in Los Angeles and got in and that's kind of got it all started. While there uh, at the film school, they allow you to try all kinds of different things, uh, editing, directing, sound. And uh, it was during that process that uh, I found cinematography. I I always loved images and I took a lot of still photography and uh, I was drawn to it. It seemed to be something I was good at, and that's kind of how it happened. So cool. So, so with the stills photography, 
Was that just because it's more accessible than than doing film? Was that like the first place you went to? Yeah, uh, to, to parents, kind of experiment. My parents gave me a little brownie camera when I was little, and uh, I always just like taking pictures, you know. And uh, back, you know, in today's world, uh, with you know digital cameras, you could you could shoot a little movie on your iPhone if you want or whatever, and, and mm. uh, edit it on your computer. But back then, when I was you know younger to rent a film camera and buy film and process it and go through that whole process was a very expensive proposition. And particularly when you're a student, you don't have any money, you know, uh, so it kind of made it difficult for people to just go out and experiment where today it's a lot easier for kids to do that. Yeah. What would you shoot when you were just knocking around with your camera? Just like what you'd see on the street, friends or what kind of things? Yeah, friends on the street. Uh, you know, I grew up in Chicago, which is a very kind of beautiful city. And we had a, a train there that I take the train downtown and just walk around and take pictures of people, random people, or just if it snowed, it was very beautiful. And I take shots of mm-hmm. buildings with the snow on it. And um, it wasn't anything groundbreaking, but it was a good kind of place for me to learn about photography. And, and I would encourage anybody who wants to be a cinematographer to I take tons of stills right now. I mean, I still do. You know, it's, for me, it's fun. I enjoy it. And uh, <laughs> it kind of teaches you things. And, and you know, I would take people's p- portraits and that, you know, you, you put them up against a window and sidelight them or whatever. And it kind of taught me a little bit about lighting and, and how to use, you know, create images. Yeah, it's interesting you say that you still take them now because me and Alan were talking just before this and saying, oh, you know, these DPs, they're on set for like weeks on end, constantly around cameras. I bet the last thing they want to do in their own time is take photos. But there you are snapping away. Uh, No, you know, and I shoot digitally now, uh, mainly. I still shoot the film. I have like a film camera and like a digital camera. And, and, you know, I still most of my stuff is uh, digital. And uh, for me, on my day off, I I just enjoy, um, typically on movies now, I'm I'm in Europe somewhere. I was in France last year. And, you know, it's just fun to walk around and explore the local place and, you know, uh, take a lot of stills. And and I've started doing a little more um, stills on the set with the actors and the crew. And, and, uh, you know, I enjoy kind of getting just portraits of people kind of spontaneously on the set. And uh, it's, it's, you know, I'm getting quite a collection of, of famous actors and directors and crew people as well. Yeah. Do you feel like your, your stills have, uh, do you feel like you've got a, a kind of style of your own when it comes to stills? Has that been something that you've consciously thought of? Uh, or has that developed well, over time yeah, or is it just for fun? Everyone kind of has a point of view, you know, when they pick up a camera, whether it's me or, you know, some guy, random person on the street, you know. And, and so, you know, you put a camera in people's hands and you walk down the street and say, take a picture. I think everyone would take a different picture. So I do have a point of view. You know, obviously, I'm very keeping the lighting in mind. If it's bad lighting, I don't take the pictures, you know, uh, but if I see interesting lighting in a situation, then I uh, will start snapping away. And that's the beauty of digital is, you know, it's not film where it's costing you money. Every time you click the button, you know, you can just snap away as much as you want, you know, so. Uh, it's just the initial outlay nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> Camera body is horrendous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you're, you know, you're a kid from the Midwest with an interest in kind of film and in cinematography. Kind of at what point does it start to 
become serious and start to become a thing you think you know you can make a living out of well i i you know i went to film school at usc and i shot a lot of student films there and i wanted to become a, a cinematographer by the time i left but it was very difficult i couldn't get in the union uh it was very difficult to get in the uh, camera union in los angeles but there was a fair amount of kind of low budget movies being shot that were so low budget the union didn't really care about them so uh, I, over a period of time, I started in commercials, but then I was able to kind of transition into these very low budget movies. And it was a great way to learn. And I would tell anybody who wants to be a cinematographer, pick up a camera and just start go shooting. I don't care what it is, you know. And, and uh, so gradually I'd shot enough low budget movies that I, one of them, uh, I shot a movie called Drugstore Cowboy, which got a lot of attention from people. And that kind of, when people saw that film it was directed by Gus Van Sant and people loved it. And, mm -hmm. and um, so that kind of brought me to the next level. In fact, that's how I got to Wes because when Wes was uh, directing Bottle Rocket, he um, said that, uh, you know, he was such a fan of Drugstore Cowboy. That's how he contacted me. So that's how we initially made that contact. So that kind of opened a lot of doors for me. And then certainly after working with Wes and some of the other people I've worked with, it, you know, things just kind of took off from there. Yeah. I guess that makes sense that Gus Van Sant would be, you know, a little bit of a hero to Wes Anderson being from that slightly older generation. And that's kind of how you guys ended up hooking up. Yep. So, I mean, obviously, like, Working with Wes has been the huge part of your career. You've worked on every live action film together. Yeah. What? Why do you think? I mean, you, obviously, you do, you do get these partnerships between uh, directors and DPs, but rarely where it's every single movie. So I kind of wonder what's. Obviously, we know what brought you guys together, but what's kept you together, and why you're such a effective unit? <laughs> huh. um, well, you know, right away when we first met, even we we kind of started talking about movies and, and, and things that we liked and we kind of shared a very similar sensibility and right away, even though he's, you know, uh, quite a bit younger than me, um, we just kind of hit it off. And, and, uh, so I think that that is one thing is if you have a shared sensibility and, and over the years, you know, as he's developed his style, I've certainly, you know, gotten hip to that and I can anticipate it. And he has a very kind of unique way of working. He likes to go low tech. Like on the set, we, there's not video villages. There's none of the stuff that you typically see on a movie. And now um, it's all very kind of old school tech and he prefers to work that way. And small crew. So I think the fact that I, I like to work the same way as he does. That kind of helps us have a shorthand. And the fact that I've done so many movies with him, I can anticipate, you know, how he's going to want to shoot things and, and uh, you know, anticipate the lighting. And, and we just have a good relationship, a very open relationship. And uh, I suggest things and he can take those suggestions or not. You know, it's it's. it's up to him in the end. It's his movie. And um, I think all of us, the production designer, the costume designer, all the creative people involved in the film will, you know, bring what they have to the to making of the film. But in the end, you know, it's his call and, and um, you know, it's a Wes Anderson movie. So we're, here, we're there to try to support mm -hmm. him, make his film, I think, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like you say, there is such a defined style now, maybe more so than any other director. And, you know, there's lots of 
fast kind of whip pans and fast zooms yes. and lots of long fluid dolly motions and stuff. I mean, when you when you were first talking about shotless with him, was it was, were those kind of things your instinct or did did he like was he first positing those? Uh, well, combo, I think. Um, yeah. You know, as he's gone on, certainly from Bottle Rocket to the French Dispatch, he's grown as a filmmaker, you know. And uh, at Bottle Rocket, he, he had not made a film before, and so he needed a lot more help and guidance. But by now, you know, Wes, he knows exactly what he wants. And um, so... Again, you know, we can discuss it and I could throw suggestions at him, but he's always got a pretty clear idea of how he wants to shoot a scene. And, um, you know, we usually stick to that pretty, pretty carefully. Yeah. Yeah. I guess when I when I think of um, like when I think of Wes Anderson's movies, a lot of it's about and, and the shots are kind of they they draw on the relationship between people and objects and they're like nearby environments and you get, you know, these wide anamorphic shots that where it really sucks in the eye to all the little details that the production design team have obviously all put in. Do you think that's the kind of, is that always been the vibe or from your side of things that it's kind of about placing these people in, in their situations? If that makes sense? Uh, kind of, you know, he's always been pretty specific, even from Bottle Rocket. We, we storyboarded that very carefully. And, you know, we go to all the locations and, you know, Wes has very specific ideas with the production designer and the wardrobe people on color, like the color of the drapes, the color of the walls. And we shoot a lot of tests uh, with film before we always shoot film. Uh, beforehand where we will uh, take, you know, uh, a PA or somebody and they'll, we'll paint different colors of walls like on Grand Budapest against a flat. And then we would hold different colors of the wardrobe up against the, the subject's body just to see how it looks against those colors. So it's all pretty well-designed and thought out beforehand. And he even, as the last few movies, does a thing called an animatic, which is kind of like a crude cartoon where it shows, someone draws the little actors and, and they, Wes does all the voiceovers and the dialogue. And, and we kind of work out the shots that way. And it's a way we, a reference to us, you know, the only issue we find is many times the people in the cartoon can move much quicker than people can in real life <laughs> going up and down stairs. Yeah. Uh, so that's the only problem we ever have with it is just the timing of it because sometimes it's all very carefully timed out beforehand. But yeah. the, the movie is pretty much constructed in his head and for all of us before we start shooting. We know all the locations. We, we go with a, a finder and, and spot the exact shot. And sometimes we even bring a film camera with us and with, it's not lit and we don't have the actors, but we just shoot it anyway, just to, with the natural light, just to see what it's going to look like. And we use that as a reference as well. So it's, it's a very comprehensive prep period for all of us to get ready. So when we go to shoot the film, Wes likes to work very fast and he, he doesn't want to be waiting around for lighting and things. So we've got everything kind of roughed in and, and ready to go so that we can maximize the time he has with his actors. So obviously a lot of the stuff then is in pre-production. Do you, is, is a big part of your job um, kind of problem solving and trying to make that vision actually happen in real life? Do you, is that one of 
yeah, the, the I key mean, elements of many, it, like actually figuring out. Yeah, I no, mean, sorry, sorry, go on. Uh, what I was going to say is, is a lot of times, you know, Wessel will describe what he wants to see. And my initial reaction is, oh, my God, how are we going to do that? <laughs> but we always, you know, not, you know, not going to, we always find a way. And, and um, you know, I have a great team with me uh, who helps me in my decisions. And I'll say, well, what if we do this? And he'll say, yeah, that sounds great. Or he'll say, no, I don't want to do that, you know. Uh, so we have to find another way of doing it, you know, and, and uh, again, it's, it, it, you know, my because I shoot a lot of other movies and commercials, you know, I always kind of go for a more high tech way of doing things, which is not the way he likes to do it. So we then kind of come up with a more much more low tech way of doing things. And uh, so uh, that's always kind of the the challenge that we have and how to pull these shots off and. Many times, like I said, when he uh, described a shot, I, my initial reaction is, oh, my God, I mean, how am I going to do this? But, you know, we, we always find a way and, you know, hopefully we'll continue to do so. <laughs> Shooting on film as a choice, continuing to do so. Yes. Surely in some ways your life would be a lot easier if you were shooting on digital, right? Yeah, it would be. And, I, you know, I, I was always a film person and I kind of got dragged into the digital world and, um, you know, I've accepted it and, and I, you know, I, I actually love the digital cameras now. They're amazing. And, they, you know, it's a lot easier in a lot of ways because they're so sensitive to light. So, like, the interiors are easier to light. It's They, they really dig in the shadows. And, um, but that said, film has a different look and, um, you know, it's a, a, a different process when you're shooting film. You know, I think it's less gear and, uh, you know, you can take a film camera and just go put it on a tripod and start shooting where with digital cameras, you know, there's an army of people plugging all their wires into the camera and there's mm -hmm. giant video villages and DITs and, all, you know, all this and I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying, no, it's a different process. And uh, yeah. so I think that West enjoys the more intimate process of shooting film and also the look of it as well. Yeah, I guess that makes sense because, I mean, a lot of people will argue now that, like, in post you can reproduce the look of, of film with given enough time. Um, but that kind of experience of using of using film, you can't really replicate. And I guess... You know, you can see in Wes's films that he's a man who likes process. Everything is about, everything is neatly right down to, you know, a cake or whatever is neatly packaged. And I can see why that kind of really physical process would be kind of more of interest than, like you say, people plugging in a load of leads. Yeah, it's more of a tactile thing. He likes that and, um, you know, so do I. I mean, I, I love shooting film and uh, I do whenever I can. It's just not always an option. I mean, there's very few directors today who can just say I want film and they say yes you know there's a few out there but generally you you end up in a little bit of a battle with the producers because mm. for various reasons it's you know they say it's more expensive I'm not sure of that but you know the, the thing about film too is that you know a lot of labs have closed throughout the world and and so it's you get, that becomes an issue where you're going to, you're going to have to put it on a plane and send it to London to be processed or you know how where is it going to go and so it adds a whole dynamic to the whole process of seeing your dailies. You know, if it's easy, great, you know, but it's just, it's become, yeah. a, it's become more difficult to shoot, I think, you know. Sure. And how do you approach like the lighting on these movies? Are you Like you say, you've got these sets and these costumes that are like really vivid, 
block colors do you kind of do you lean into that color palette or are you kind of playing against it no i always lean into it and you know one thing wes he's very uh so specific about his uh you know the colors and and uh, the production design and the props and the wardrobe that you know he wants to see it so i tend to you know, maybe fill it a little more than I might on another movie just because he's very eager to see everything that's in front of the camera. So that's one thing. Um, when I first started shooting with him, I was kind of free to light things kind of how I liked. But, you know, now, uh, in particular, our last movie, we would have a discussion beforehand, uh, you know, wh how are we going to light this? And he became very involved, and, and I would say, well, this is what I was thinking, blah, blah, blah. And he would say, yeah, yeah, that sounds good, or maybe I was thinking more like this. And, you know, so we would kind of arrive at a lighting style, but uh, every you know, location, we would kind of have a preliminary discussion and, or I would, I would tell him what my plan was just so he wasn't surprised. And, and I would say, this is what I was thinking. I was going to do this, 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 and this. And he might say, yeah, that sounds great. Or, you know, he might say, oh, I was thinking more like that. And, you know, so there was always a discussion. And, and, uh, yeah, I was wondering, um, cause obviously so much is made of the symmetry in the films as well like how specific that is. Like, I can't imagine you guys just eyeball it. Like, is there a grid up on the screen and everything's being matched to that? Or? Uh, what we typically do is, you know, once the camera is placed, we run a, a tape measure, or now we have the electronic uh, things that measure distance, and you go from one side of the map box to the corner, and then you go from the other side of the map box to the corner. And just make sure you're dead center, you know. And so we kind of use, you know, these little, they're these little digital things, you, you know, they're like the size of a phone, really. And you just point them and mm -hmm. they give you a readout, um, you know, how far the it was. And, and so we might want to make sure that we are exactly square on and, and exactly, uh, you know, in the center of whatever we're shooting. The other thing we do is... Uh, uh, we, we keep the camera kind of, you know, there's on, a, on an airy gearhead, it shows you the angle of tilt. And um, so we put it at zero and start at zero. And uh, typically that's where we start. Occasionally we might modify it and tilt up a little bit or down a little bit, but he likes to be the camera's level and just at zero tilt. So that's kind of what we, what, that's the starting point. And then sometimes we have to shift it around a little bit to get what he's looking for. But. I bet that was a, a sad, a sad day for Wes when he had to give up with uh, the actual tape measure and start using a digital tape measure. I bet he wasn't well, too happy. About that yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> he, he's, it's more about cranes and camera cars and things like that. We don't use those things, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, uh, he kind of likes the old, he, I think, even though his movies are can be somewhat big and challenging in terms of the sets and everything, I think in his mind, because he lives in France and you know he loves the French New Wave and you know I certainly don't want to speak for him, but uh, I think in his mind he kind of romanticizes going out with a crew of ten people and you know, back how they did those French New Wave movies. and But unfortunately, his movies have got such scale that it's really almost impossible to do it that way. Um, using Grand Budapest as, as an example, um, just with how everything, as you've just said, is shot so flat and it's kind of always head on as well, or side on, almost every single shot. Yes. Um, 
and also a kind of a crotch height as well we figured out yeah. we, we, we rewatched Grand <laughs> Budapest in preparation for this and we're like everything everyone's being viewed from like halfway down it's like almost like a cowboy shot but not quite yeah <laughs> yeah and 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 that was just and and also the other thing that seemed to be uh that, that I thought was quite a, a, an interesting choice was it seemed like there was a lot of lens distortion like warped edges on yeah. on a lot of scenes and you know that seemed to be a choice that, that that had been made in order to make it look a bit more surreal perhaps i think so uh you know he like it west tends to the wider lenses and that gives you that distortion and it goes back even to bottle rocket our first film where we shot the entire movie on a 27 millimeter lens which is fairly wide and the whole movie was shot on that one lens. Um, and then we went to Rushmore, which most of it was shot, we shot in Rushmore Anamorphic, and that was on a 40, which has definitely got a little bending to the sides. Now, if you went to a 50, you wouldn't, on an Anamorphic, you wouldn't have that, but Wes loves that feeling. And, and so on Grand Budapest, uh, we shot both formats. Uh, we shot the 40 mil and 35 millimeter for the Anamorphic, and for the spherical stuff, the uh, 137, a lot of it was shot uh, with a 21, 18, you know, 16, you know. So he tends to always go more for the wide. Sh and rarely would we use a 50 or a 75, you know. We typically go more uh, 21, you know. And, and so that's just his and preference. You guys must have so many setups. We were watching it today and just thinking, man, like we're cutting to a new angle and a whole different thing going on. Like so much. There must be, it must be pretty long shoots. Um, depending, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to guess that uh, Grand Budapest was like a 50 day schedule. But, um, mm. you know, the thing about Wes is it's also carefully storyboarded that, you know, you, you use pretty much every shot, you know, very rarely is a shot not in his movie, you know, it's because it's all kind of figured out. I, I want to be at this shot at this point and this shot at that point. And then, you know, sometimes he might later decide he needs something more or whatever. But um, it's all pretty carefully planned out beforehand. And uh, but I know like Moonrise Kingdom, we shot very quickly. Uh, you know, I'm going to get I don't remember exactly, but I'm going to guess it was a 40 day schedule. But uh, with kids, which yeah. you know, made it a little more complicated because in the United States, the kids can only work x amount of hours you know and but you know there's rules about that kind of stuff so uh you know you couldn't work a 12-hour day with the kids you know so um yeah but, but anyway yeah it does it doesn't yeah it doesn't seem like these are films that are like found in the editing room it does seem like it must be a lot of pre-planning and kind of it all this he's visualized it so much ahead of time yeah definitely that's true and uh uh you know we always shoot one camera and typically on a lot of other movies I work on, we shoot two cameras and uh, a lot of it, the decisions are made in the editing room. And um, and not that Wes doesn't make a lot of decisions in the editing room for his movies, but because he does, <laughs> he's a very extensive editing. Uh, but uh, it is kind of planned out and, you know, it's just, I think, gets down to a little more variations and things that his editor can do to help embellish what he wants to what he wants to say yeah we were we were kind of watching the film earlier like a couple of sad detectives figuring out how you guys did it all and then we just got completely stumped when it came to the ski chase oh 
some crazy combination of live action miniatures, a bit of VFX. I was wondering if you could just talk us through how the hell you pulled off that sequence because it's well, pretty incredible. When I read the script, uh, that was one of my first questions to Wes. I said, are we <laughs> going to go to the Swiss Alps or how are we going to do this? And, it, you know, it was a little ambitious. And he had just uh, done his animated movie, uh, which really kind of uh, he learned a lot doing that uh, fantastic Mr. Fox. And and so he wanted to use some of those techniques to do it. So we, we did a combination of... Uh, uh, like Willem Dafoe coming out of the gates with his, with his, uh, you know, the skis. And so that was all live action with, uh, uh, Rafe and Tony on the sled. We actually put him on a sled and we just had a white background and we just blew a lot of wind and snow and everything in their faces and, you know, had him kind of, you know, rocking back and forth. And, and, you know, we even rocked the camera back and forth a little bit for those shots but for those wide shots, you know, Wes was like, you know, there's no way we can go to Switzerland or wherever and do this. So he, uh, uh, you know, decided right away that the way to do it was doing it animated the way, he, you know, which is something that I didn't participate in because it, uh, it's something that, uh, you know, I'm not an animator. And um, they did that at uh, Babelsberg in, in Germany. Uh, and they, you know, it's one of those things where you have little stick figures and they take one frame at a time and they move them down. <laughs> so it's a very intricate <laughs> process. But so it was a combination of so many different styles, but somehow it, it worked and it, it kind of gave a, to me anyway, it was a very humorous kind of way of, of dealing with, uh, could be a very difficult situation. And, you know, I, I look at all Wes's movies as kind of comedies in a sense. So, uh, you know, I, I think people get yeah. a laugh out of it. So hopefully, sure. you know. Yeah, no, no, I think it works really well. Like you say, bringing in kind of miniatures and that thing is all makes it all seem a little bit more silly in a good way. Um, yeah. We, I guess we've, we've obviously like we've, uh, you know, neglected some of your other, your films outside of Wes. Obviously, I know you, like you say, you work with Gus Van Sant and um, Freakin, I believe. Yeah. Um, I don't know, you work with plenty of other directors. Like when you're, when you're do like a film like Take Bridesmaids, for instance, where there isn't, you know, not to denigrate it in any way, but there isn't such a defined visual style. Yes. Are those easier shoots or is it deceptive and actually they're not? Or? Well, you know, Bridesmaids was a film where we always shot two cameras and sometimes three cameras. And, um, you know, often uh, Paul liked to do what he calls cross shoots. So if you have two actors uh, sitting at a table, you have a camera on each one. Um, and it makes it difficult for lighting. <clears throat> and it's also because Paul hires a lot of uh, comedians who do stand-up, there's a lot of improvisation that goes on in those films. And so it kind of keeps the people from, uh, uh, you know, you can't just get up and walk around the room because when you cut it, you know, they, you're not sure where it's going to cut. A lot of those films, when we talked earlier about being made in the editing room, they're made in the editing room, you know. And mm. so um, because of using two and sometimes three cameras, it really uh, makes it the lighting more difficult and the staging more difficult. Um, but it's more about the dialogue and the jokes and the performances. And so... I kind of know going in that it's not going to be, uh, you know, a Wes Anderson movie, but, you know, we do the best we can. Uh, and, uh, 
you know, I mean, I mean, the movies are what they are, but I think people go to them because they, they want to laugh. And, and so I think that's yeah. the, you know, the main, the main force of that, but they're, they're fun too. I mean, I, I enjoy that thrill on the set of seeing these actors and, um, you know, I understand why we shoot them that way. And, and it's just, uh, I think that some of them, like, I don't know if you saw Spy. You know, I, I really like Spy. I thought it was really funny. And so mm. I think that's the, the point of the whole film, really. Yeah, yeah. We're big fans of Yes Man. I see that was in oh, your, yeah, your filmography. Okay, yeah. <laughs> similar, similar. Yeah, that was the first one I did. And that kind of led to all the other ones. But, um, you know, I've done, I try to mix it up between doing those types of movies and, and smaller films. I don't know. There's a movie I did a few years ago called Love and Mercy. That if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. Uh, yeah. It's uh, Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. And uh, we shot film. We shot a lot of it on 16 millimeter. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Paul Dano plays Brian Wilson. And, uh, you know, I, I was really proud of that film. It was done very cheaply in L.A. We shot it in 30 days, I think. And uh, But it was just one of those kind of projects that everybody loved working on. And, and we had a great time. If you haven't seen it, check it out. <laughs> I actually haven't, and Alan's a big Beach Boys fan, so maybe we, we got to watch that one. I haven't seen it. I'm excited. Love and mercy. I'm going to go, I'm going to go oh, you know, find Let that. me know. Email me after you see it and tell me what you think. Yeah, we'll do. Yeah, we'll do. Out of everything you've done, um, are there a couple of projects that if, if you, if someone didn't know who you were, they didn't know anything about film that you would say, go and watch this to represent what you've done in your life and, your, you, you know, your life's work and your style? Um what would you what would those be well i was i guess i would have to probably go uh grand budapest and i would go drugstore cowboy and mm -hmm. i would probably put love and mercy on there and then just because of the comedies of all the comedies uh, certainly uh you know bridesmaids was the most popular but uh, my personal favorite was Spy. I thought that was uh, uh, my favorite of all the, of the comedies I did with Paul. So, um, you know, I guess those, I don't know if I answered your question, but those were the ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Weirdly, I think I like on the internet, there's quite a lot of love for um, Hotel Chevalier, that little weird short you guys just filmed. I think that was very kind of haphazard, right? Didn't I think Wes financed it and you guys just kind of made it happen off the bat? Yeah. Uh, again, it was a small crew. This going back to what I said earlier about him and living in Paris and wanting to have small crew. We did uh, a very small crew and uh, minimal lighting. We could just plug into the walls. It was an actual hotel, and uh, you know, nice, very nice group of people. And you know, uh, we would shoot for ten hours, and then Wes was living in a different place then in Paris, but. After the shoot, we'd all go over there and drink wine and have a meal. And it was a real kind of family kind of atmosphere. And, uh, you know, we shot it very quickly and very small crew. It was fun. You know, I, I had a mm. great time. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know we, we just spoke about the ones you were happiest with. There were, obviously, you've worked in a lot of different locations, particularly with Wes, whether it's like in India or for the Darjeeling Limited. Um, are there any films that you remember that maybe they still worked out fine, but were fucking hard like as you were doing them you know during principal photography 
Well, uh, Darjeeling was hard. <laughs> you know, working in India. <laughs> it might be. I mean, <laughs> well, India is tough, and and I love India, and uh, you know, mm. I, I, you know, I don't want to say anything bad about it. It's it's a fascinating place, beautiful, uh, but it's hard to work there, and. Uh, like when you're in town, you know, you, you, you draw a crowd no matter where you put a, a, a light or a camera. And yeah, and on a train, you know, a moving train, because Wes was very anxious to, uh, you know, have a, a moving train, you know. Uh, and so it's difficult shooting on a train. It's small, there's small quarters, you know, there's nowhere to light. So we kind of built the lighting in and uh, talk about a small crew. I mean, basically we don't have stand-ins so we had the actors stand in so we were off in a little train compartment with myself the focus puller the dolly grip and a boom guy and that and wes and that would be the only people we could fit in there you know because <laughs> we usually had three actors so it was difficult working and india is always uh there's you know always a surprise and you know, it's hard working in India. You know, for me, it was. Uh, yeah. You know, and but I loved it. It's it's fascinating place. The other place that was hard working in Italy on boats when we did Life Aquatic, because we'd go out on these boats yeah. and uh, we'd have to turn the engines off because of the sound. And then during the takes, the boats would rotate. You know, and all of a sudden they went from being you know, backlit to front lid, all within a shot, and it was a real difficult thing. So then we had to have these little, small little boats kind of at the bow and the stern, trying to keep it on the same relationship to the sun. And it's very frustrating. And, you know, if he's in the shot and then you want to do another one, you got to turn the whole boat around. And, you know, it was it was very tough shooting there. You know, um, boats and trains may be avoided if you can. <laughs> but I mean, it, you know, in the end, we got, yeah. uh, you know, I was happy with the movie, but it, it makes it more difficult when you have that kind of situation. So those were hard ones. Uh, you know, those are uh, those two stand out, I think, for me. I mean, Grand Budapest was great but it, you know it was freezing cold we were on the uh, east germany and the polish border uh right january and it was brutally cold uh so that but you know you just mm -hmm. dress for it and you deal with it and uh, you know for me india and italy were more difficult i think so yeah Cool. I think I think we've approached really end of what we were going to ask you really. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. One, one question we ask like every cinematographer we have on the show is uh, like, where do you like to stand on set? You kind of answered this question already a little bit by saying that Wes doesn't have a video village, so you don't have that option. Yeah. But generally, where where will you be found? Well, in Wes's movies, I operate them all, so I'm usually right behind the camera and it's film. You know. Yeah. Um, on other movies, depending on the movie, like. Love and Mercy, I operated because uh, it was film. But when you do a movie like with Paul, where it's two or three cameras, uh, I have operators and I have my monitor that shows what they're shooting. And I try to get it as close to the set as possible. I mean, I, I to me, the excitement and how I always like to work was right there, right where the actors are. And, and I, I don't want to sit like, you know, way far away, you know, looking at a monitor. Mm -hmm. I, I want to be right there where it goes down. And, and uh, 
that way if there's any adjustments that to be made i'm right there and i just kind of there's a relationship as a as an operator and a cinematographer you have with the actors and you know i want to be kind of right there in the front row for it so um that's usually where i am all right well thanks so much for your time today bob yeah we're both big fans of your work such like meticulous scenes you guys create it's incredible so um keep it up and we'll look forward to seeing the new film 